is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with Nick Walker, we talk about being seen and his writing process and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this part two with Nick Walker. I want to talk writing. Uh, writing has been a big part of your life, is a big part of your life. And is it, it's true you wrote uh, Tom Sawyer? Uh, oh, was that, golly, was you did that the, the research. Was that the first one, though? I want to know what the first that one was. was. <laughs> For it, so first of all, you are that is amazing that you that you know that. Uh, the first one that I ever wrote was a book. Uh, it was based off the Jungle Book. It was like things called Tall Mowgli's Tall Tales or some stuff. And then when I say the Jungle Book, I want to be very specific now because there's the Disney cartoon, the '70s Disney cartoon, mm. right? Which I love. But when I was a kid, I was obsessed, obsessed with the i feel like it was the, it was either joe johnson or stephen summers who directed it. i think it was stephen summers um the the live action with uh jason scott lee and carrie elwes and lena hetty and sam neill and it was it was like i don't know if you remember that movie that movie was my jam you could not tell me not to watch that movie i watched it every day and it was so it was like this very honestly like it was honestly like the hook version of the jungle book mm. because what it was was it, it assumed that all the events of the jungle book happened but it takes place 10 years after them right so Mowgli's in his 20s and he's like you know built like you know chris hemsworth for some reason and uh you know and it's like it's like this crazy but like you know he meets this this uh young british woman that he grew up with when before he ended up in the jungle and like it's this whole adventure story and um I was obsessed with that. So that was the first book I ever wrote was like just some crazy mix of like the adventures from that movie and the adventures from the book by Rudyard Kipling and the sixties or seventies cartoon. Like it had bits of all that. And I like illustrated it and like all that stuff. Um, and I'm sure it makes no sense. Like, I'm sure if I read it today, I'd be like, this book actually has no logical plot at all. But I remember it very succinctly as the first thing I ever wrote. Yeah, I do. What what uh, do. over time now, and as you as time progresses, are there particular stories you like to focus on? Are they how do they vary yes. from maybe roles you're playing or seeking out as a performer? I'm you know, I come by it so honestly. My mother is obsessed with trauma work, and I think that that's what so much my writing is about. I love trauma. I don't love trauma. I hate trauma, but I love writing about trauma and I love exploring trauma. Um, yeah. You know, I think that so much of what I write, uh, be it the plays, be it uh, the screenplays, whatever, um, are about uh, characters who had some incident in their past and you are meeting them many days weeks months years after that incident and the lies that they tell themselves to avoid uh dealing with that incident yeah right i i love to see i love characters who are constantly running from truth i i just i think that that's so um that's so fascinating and makes for such a good story and it's so human right like we all do that we all nobody wants to be faced with who they are really Nobody wants to have to reconcile that, right? That's such a hard thing. 
and it, and it works in any genre is the other reason I love it. It works in, you know, I got, so right now I have like four big projects. There's a project that me and Alex Brightman are working on uh, developing over at Warner Brothers, which pray to God it goes through. Um, but if it doesn't, it's fine because Warner Brothers is a, has been wonderful to us. Um, there is a, a musical um, that I'm writing the book for, and there is uh, a horror a horror feature that's just mine that I'm, I'm working on. And all of those pieces are in some way about people running from the truth of themselves, right? Like really just ignoring the, the core of who they are mm. or avoiding. Um, and, and it just, it just goes, you know, if you break down, I'm a huge structuralist. I love, I love structure. I love watching stories and seeing how the structure applies and there's many different, so many different people have so many different takes on this, on the structure. I tend to kind of vacillate. If you know, Dan Harmon, who wrote uh, community and Rick and Morty, he has a brilliant thing called the story circle, which I'm sure you've heard of, um, which is eight steps of character. I, uh, there's another person who has six steps and that's, that's where I tend to go. And the six steps are right. Who is your character? What do they want? Why can't they get it? What can they do about that? Why doesn't that work? How does it end, right? And that's those six steps apply to any story. Hmm. Who are they? What do they want? Why can't they get it? What can they do about it? Why doesn't that work? How does it end? And looking at those six steps, they so brilliantly support stories about people who are running from truth because it's when you're running from truth um, as a character, huh. uh, nothing works out right? The longer you run and think about that. Think about in rom-coms, right? Like this is rom-coms are actually the best rom-coms are brilliant pieces of structure. Like we watched, we watched uh, marry me a couple of uh, weeks ago, the Jennifer Lopez Owen Wilson one that just came out. Right. And even that, even that, which is like, again, it's, it's a rom-com, but like rom-coms are brilliant at structure. Mm. Right. So the whole plot of that, I mean, it's in the, it's in the, the trailer, right? This, this pop star who like has a, a life with her you know her pop star boyfriend and they're going to get married at her concert and then he stands her up so she like picks one guy out of the crowd to marry right who is she she's this pop star right what does she want she wants to fall in love and she wants to fall in love deeply mm. right and she wants to she wants to find a partner who can see her for herself why can't she get it because she's stuck in the you know the aesthetic of what it means to be in love, right? The very first thing she does setting up a wedding on a pop star stage, mm. right? Is about, this is what love looks like when you fall in love. And it's so big and grand and beautiful as opposed to someone who like actually can take you at your worst as well. Yeah. Right. So that's why she can't get it because she's, she believes the lie. She believes the lie. What can she do about that? Well, when her boyfriend, you know, or uh, fiance cheats on her, she chooses this random guy right uh to 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 marry this random math teacher why doesn't that work because she still believes the lie right so you know and he has his own lie that he believes but for but focusing on her she believes the lie that like he is you know not going to be there in the way he's not gonna, you know like he's not he's not of her world essentially mm. right you know how does it end she's able to see beyond her world, see beyond herself, see the truth in herself, vanquish that lie, at least for the moment and be with him. And like, that's, that's, I love those stories. 
those are the stories that I keep going back to. So again, long-winded way of saying I love characters who lie to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a, uh, and I love that. And thank you for, you know, diving deep on all of these questions. Is there, um, I know we like to romanticize writing. There's a time of day, you have your cup of whatever and you get time to write. Is there, <laughs> is there a reality to your process A time of day? How yes. do you write when you write? <laughs> Dude, the the reality of my process is I need to let go of the idea that there is a pro that there is a a a a to b to c process. Gotcha. The 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 trick of writing right is that it's it's a puzzle box. That's mm. why you know again for someone with ADHD it's perfect for me mm. because it keeps my brain firing. It's like ooh this this thing we just did an escape room for the first time uh, as a cast. The Hamilton cast did an escape room. Uh, our king Ian Morton set it up, and I thought I would hate it. I loved it. I was in it. I was like, okay, well, you know, how do we figure? And we won. My team won. I was like, yes. Um, right. But it was what sucked me in was just like that puzzle. Like, ooh, this doesn't work here, but this works here. But this doesn't work here, but this works here. Looking for patterns. That's all writing is. Mm-hmm. And what sucks about that is that it takes time. Yeah. Right. It takes time to see those patterns. The patterns don't just appear to you. Um, so I have in the past, you know, I'll set like Thursday as my writing day. And I'll say nine to five, I will be writing. Huh. And writing isn't always typing, right? But it is just sitting there and thinking about story. However, life happens. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes Thursday, nine to five is not going to be a good writing day. Mm-hmm. It's just not. And I might have planned it. And I, like, I, have, I have it in my planner right now. And it might not work out. But in those moments, what's, less, what's so much more important than the writing I get done or the process of when I'm actually writing is how I recover from the moments when like I intended to write, but can't mm-hmm. five minutes is okay. Mm-hmm. If you can even get five minutes in a day, mm-hmm. that's okay. I used to beat myself up for not getting hours and hours and hours. Sometimes it's all you have in the day. Mm-hmm. So like, can you just, can you just put one sentence down? Can you think of one, you know, thing that might help your plot move along? Um, I also read the other thing I'll say is, uh, vomit i think vomit drafts are a lie uh i think they're a, a complete lie right like it's 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 just it's a lot of pressure to put on yourself and somebody put a somebody uh, put a wonderful thread on twitter today that i retweeted about the vomit draft right because it's something that i think so many writing teachers will tell you to do is like oh yeah just just vomit it out and and you know and just just let it spill and let it be messy and like whatever and that and and the the other side of that is that they, they want you to just write it and write like you have like uh, mm-hmm. the, the quote that this woman used on this thread was, you know, she'd been told to write like she has demons on her heels. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's nice. But, and like, sometimes you ain't got that kind of time. Sometimes <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. Do you mean? So like, and sometimes like for me, I'm a constant, the way I write. And that's why I you know connected with this woman so much. Cause she writes the same way. Mm-hmm. I'm revising the moment. I'm, I'm try the, you know, try like, like if we're playing, if, if, if it's like the chess match of it, I'm the guy who's like going over the, going over the moves in my head and moving the pieces around, but never putting them down on the table quite yet. Like, oh, I could do this. I could do this move. I could try this, but that would do this. And that would do this. And like, I'm calculating it in my head before. And that takes like least out, you know, maybe three hours before a scene gets written. Right. Right. So like the vomit draft is just not going to happen with me. And um, I think that's the biggest thing is like allowing for your own process 
like my process is just allowing for it to take as much time, especially right now where there's, you know, few of my projects, some have deadlines, some don't. Right. But like the ones that don't, can I just live in those moments? Mm. And that's extremely helpful. Yeah. Do you um, hear a common piece of incorrect advice in your industry, either performing or writing or life? God, yeah. People, anybody who is telling, first of all, anybody who's going to make you, this is just like something I've seen more and more, you know, anybody's going to make you pay to be in a play is do not pay. Do not ever pay to play. Do not ever. And I know it's such a, ba- like a, not a basic thing, but like a, a non, you know, uh, uh, philosophical thing Mm. do not pay to be a part of anybody's project that is insane right what you do is work you are doing work right so you should be paid you should be compensated in some way even if that person can't give you money Mm -hmm. right what are they doing to give you something for your work um the other but the, the the biggest the in terms of incorrect advice um advice that's not helpful is anything that's going to anything that's going to push you to a place where you think you have to be better than someone that's what i that's what i okay. got a lot of and that's why i'm trying to work that back now mm-hmm. you don't need to be better than anyone i hate anybody's like this is how you be the best in the room so you make yourself stand out like don't worry about that just work like it's not about this is how you stand out it's like how can you present all of yourself right how can you take one scene one monologue and give them everything you have to give that's the question that's the thing that matters right it 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 it, it, that is what presence is it's it's the it's the it's the lack of fear to just be you that's confidence right that's what that's what pulls the eye the 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 groundedness in self but like anything that is about the competition i just please have a weather eye open for it my god it because i i it it, i'm sorry if i can't swear you can't me up it (laughs) effed me up y'all it fucked me up fucked me right up and i'm working so hard to work it back right now uh you know so please do not compete do not let this do not let the industry make you compete um just especially right now man when like we know right this industry is coming especially the stage part of the industry is coming back right it's finding itself Mm-hmm. And there's so many there's you know opportunities coming up, and there's so many actors who want to be a part of those opportunities, so many artists who want to be a part of those opportunities, and are also trying to put money on the table, food on the table. Yeah. And it is so hard not to compete. But I think that the way that I remember it is that that system is unfair. That very system is unfair. So why would you invest in an unfair system? Yeah. Doesn't mean you can't do it. But just means know what it is know what it is this shouldn't have to work like this this is not fun 
it is not fun. And, and, and how can you make it fun? Like, that's the thing I will say for myself and my friends is that like, if I see my buddies, uh, uh, Josh, uh, Boone, who's just in, um, uh, Detroit, uh, not Detroit 67 skeleton crew on Broadway, this dude and I came up together, me, him and, and another actor named Rod Lawrence would always see each other at auditions and we would make it people would find us so annoying because we were we were those guys like oh oh shit you're here what the fuck okay and we we're just messing with each other but like we supported each other we wanted as long as one of us got the job great right and not to say that we didn't have our jealousies and our envies but like just that moment of like actually i don't have to sit in this room and just be silent and not even acknowledge you and just like you know be my own thing to compete <laughs> against you that doesn't have to happen no it doesn't have to happen you know, if I feel an envy, I can process it and let it go through. But like, I actually can support you in this moment right. and not overcompensate and support you, actually support you. Um, I can do that work as not easy as it is sometimes. So I just anybody who's trying to make you compete. Yeah. Work it back. Walk it back. Yeah, that's yeah. It's not a dog eat dog world. <laughs> There's more than no. enough for all of us. <laughs> it's yeah. There's actually so- more than enough. That speaks so yeah. loudly to me. So thank you. And I know it'll speak loudly to people listening. Um, two left here. Uh, one, do you have a favorite failure or apparent failure that set you up for future success? The first big audition I ever did was with Mary Sugarman from Terra. We were just out at dinner talking about this right before I started in Hamilton again. I came into that audition and this was before I knew that you could turn down auditions. That concept was so foreign to me and I was sick as a dog and it was for Les Mis and I could not sing a note of empty chairs, empty tables, not a note y'all. And I tried and I was horrendous. Like I, it was bad and I was an anxious mess and she, but she said something at dinner again, you know, 10 years later, that was like, but we brought you back because we could still see the potential there. Hmm. And that was so comforting to hear because like you think that you ruin it and that that's not the stuff that ruins it. You being a dick is what ruins it. You being, you being unprepared is what ruins it. Yeah. Right. You treating this moment like less than it is, is what's ruining it. Hmm. But like, if you get that moment and you are kind and you are prepared and you are doing your best that does read and that shouldn't stop you. And that, especially I will say in the writing world, because the writing world, if you guys think, you know, if you, those of you who are actors and not writers think that the acting world is hurry up and wait, y'all writing is literally just throw a pitch out and like, like, and people will make you feel like they're going to say yes. And then they just say no. Right. Like, it is that is the constant with writing mm-hmm. and it just serves you to know like i know that with every door that has been a no for me it's not a no because i'm not bringing my best self to the thing it's a no because maybe it's not the right time or maybe this is not something that they produce or whatever like and my writing tends to be really dark so like it really takes a very specific person and a very specific entity to get behind my writing. But I know that it's not because I didn't bring my best self and I wasn't kind and I didn't listen. 
that's all you can do. Mm. The right, because at the end of the day, this is about finding your community, mm. right? That's all. That's all. That's all. Getting into a show is, mm. or getting getting your writing picked up is. It's like Mel Brooks talks about it in his. If you ever read his autobiography, or you know, I'm 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 listen, I listened to it like twelve times on Audible. And he talks about this moment that he had. It's a it's kind of semi famous story at this point, but when he was pitching um, Young Frankenstein right uh the movie and he was going uh, to all these studios and he went to uh i think it was paramount and parent you know they were going to ask for two million dollar budget paramount you know they settled on 1.75 paramount really seemed to love it really seemed to love it and then as he you know they shook their hands on the deal and as he was leaving he turned around and said hey just so you know we're going to shoot in black and white and walks out and literally and he talks about how he heard them be like no no get back here get back here get back here you can't shoot in black and white are you insane that's in, like no movies Nobody's watching movies in black and white right now. It's color. It's all color. It's like, no, I know, but this is this is an homage to the old monster movies. Um, and they were like, cool, cool, cool. You know what? Shoot it in color and we'll release it in black and white in the US. And, uh, you know, the rest of everywhere, we'll, we'll send it in color. And he was like, I knew that as soon as I said that, they were just going to release it in the US in color. And so they, him and Gene Wilder and their producer walked from Paramount. They were like, no, we, we can't do this. And then... I think it was Gene Wilder, but a friend that he grew up with who was had just become an executive at Fox. He sent the script over to Fox. And the first thing the guy at Fox says is, you have to shoot this in black and white. You know, you know that, right? It has to be black. And that's what you're waiting for. It's not just about, it's not about you being good enough. It's somebody who sees you fully, who yeah. sees you, right? And, and anything less than that, why would you want to work with them? Why would you want to work with somebody who, who, sees a part of you or sees what they want to see in you who isn't embracing you and your vision. And that's as an actor, that's as a writer, as a director, as a scenic designer, whatever you are. So it is worth the wait to build your community. I had journals, this, this will, you know, and I, I talked about this definitely. I have journal entries from 2016, 2015, when Hamilton first came out before I was a part of it. Cause I joined right around the Tonys where I hated Lynn. I, I, I was like, yo, this dude, how is he come? Like, and it was pure jealousy. It was pure jealousy. Him and Oak and Ephraim and all, and, and like Oak and Ephraim, I knew, like those were my friends. And I was like, I have to walk around and see their faces on billboards and all this stuff. <laughs> and now like me and Lynn and Sasha have like our West Wing book club together, right? Like, yeah. like these are people who we share. There's so many, our minds have so many intersections and I'm a part of this community now. Tommy and Lack, like these people who I can go to as artists and as friends. Mm -hmm. And I don't take that for granted. And it was worth the wait to find that. It was worth the wait, you know? So like allowing your community to build will never be a bad decision. I think remembering that is, is so important. Um, so I, that's why I say you want, you want somebody who's going to see you. Metaphorically speaking, if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind? This, this would, most people would like give this billboard the middle finger, but I would say, um, I see you where you are. I think so many people right now just want to be seen, man. I just want to be listened to. That's literally all social media is. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. It's literally just, it, it's just these platforms where it's like, please see me, please look at me. And again, there's part of that that's the narcissism way, but then there's part of that, like we are living through a pandemic and a war and countless other atrocities and injustices. And people just want to know that somebody out there sees them, sees them. And I just think, you know, if I was going to put a billboard up, it would be to remind Blake or to let people know that they're, they've been seen today. I see you. So, you know, like that, just, just to let them know in, in their soul, like you've been seen today. So all the stuff that you were going to do to try to be seen today, don't worry about that. Somebody saw you. You can take that home. You can walk away with it. I love so, this. This conversation. Yeah. Wow. I'm so glad we had this. I, oh, dude. I, I mean, we've, we've done the homework here, so I do have to ask a question. I am curious. Um, uh, theme park nerd. You got a favorite one or do you have a favorite theme park and why? Dude, this is it's <laughs> such ask. a good question. No, here's what's hard about this question right now. I'm going to be super. I mean, I'm never not super real, but I'm going to be super real with you. Disney is really, you know, I love the Disney parks. I love the Disney parks. It's something where like I, I'm in this kind of almost like Michael Jackson-esque trap where you got to separate the art from the artist. Um, because Dis Disney right now, like, again, it's a corporation. So that is many, many people. I'm not saying everyone from Disney has these feelings, but like Disney's been doing some things that have really been making me sad lately, really been making me sad in terms of, you know, supporting certain causes or giving money to certain places. And, 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 and the way that they are, you know, the, the prices of these parks, you know, is really making me sad. Cause it's like, I love this. I love this parks more than I could talk about in our podcast. I love them so much, mm. but they are so expensive. They are so expensive, and it is becoming an experience that is that is just for the elite, um, and that is not cool. Mm. That's not cool. Like these parks should be for everyone. But I will say, my favorite park is Animal Kingdom. Um, Disney's Animal Kingdom. Uh, I will also say though, Universal Studios Orlando is brilliant. Um, it is. It is. It, people don't give it enough credit. It's. It's got yeah. so much going for it. Um, close third. Well, I'm going to say this because I haven't been there yet. I think the park that I will probably love the most once I go is, mm. is Tokyo Disney Sea. Mm. I feel like Tokyo, Tokyo Disney Sea is going to take the cake. But um, right now, it's definitely Animal Kingdom is the first. Universal Studios Orlando, both Islands of Adventure and, uh, and the main park are the close second. Um, yeah. Nick. This conversation has been fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap it up today? Uh, everyone, stay safe. Please stay sane out there. I know the world is crazy right now, uh, but please take care of yourselves and give yourself some love. I'll, you know, if you want to come through the Rogers in New York, I'll be at Hamilton. Uh, I'll be there for the foreseeable future. Uh, you know, so come through the show and. Uh, and just keep being your wonderful selves. It's a pleasure, pleasure talking with you and for you. People of the world, Nick Walker. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. 